0: Welcome to Confessions of a Terrible Leader, where real leaders share the raw truth about the lessons they learn the hard way so you don't have to. Join our host, Lacey Nelson, founder of Transcend Leadership Collective and former Terrible Leader. Every leader can become worthy of being followed if they are willing to put in the work. On this podcast, we share the messy stories and behind-the-scenes reality of what the work actually entails. We welcome you to this community of revolutionary leaders who believe honest communication, healthy conflict, and building cultures of acceptance, respect, and trust are not only possible, but non-negotiable for cultivating world-class teams.
1: and welcome to Confessions of a Terrible Leader. We are so glad you're back. Lacey Nelson, your host and former terrible leader here today. And I am having a conversation with a a woman who has really just honestly, I'm going to be honest, she has captured my heart. I got to know her through, uh, I was an instructor for the uh, instructor and we wrote a large part of the curriculum for the Agricultural Leadership Program for Washington State. And Julia Bringolf is a, she is involved in farming at a very uh, generational level, as well as now the VP at Royal Bluff Orchards here in Washington State. Apples are kind of a thing here. And she also has launched a new business on top of you know being v p of an orchard, if that's not enough, she is the CEO for Cash Butte distillery, which is a super exciting project um I'm gonna let her tell us more about it but but yes she she obviously looks amazing on paper, but that is not what captures my heart about julia she just has the best way of being raw and real and honest about what it takes to lead the places she's figured out, like, I'm actually not very good at this, or I need help in this area, as well as owning her strengths. She really has some amazing, amazing insights Things to offer. Enough of me talking about her. Let's start talking to her. Julia, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Lacey. I'm really excited to be here. Is there anything in the intro like that you want to expand on that I left out?
2: So no, but I will. <laughs> um, I am part of a generational business. I'm second generation uh, with Royal Bluff, Bluff Orchards and um, have launched the distillery, which is kind of a counterpart to Royal Bluff Orchard. So Royal Bluff is about 95% of what we grow goes to the fresh fruit market, what you find in your grocery store. um, And then the 5% that we know would get thrown away um, Mm -hmm. goes to our distillery where we make distilled spirits. We've produced a brandy and a vodka. And this year we're starting to Work on a gin, which we're Ooh, really excited about. Yummy. And um, yeah, we're, we're just chugging, chugging along and we're really, really excited. Excellent. And I did have the
1: joy of getting to be out there for the grand opening and tested the product and I will confirm it is delicious. Thank so,
2: you. <laughs> yes. <think> so too.
1: <laughs> Wow. You have a lot of moving pieces. When yes. we use that analogy of, you know, balls in the air, glass, yeah. rubber, You have a lot of glass right now, I would imagine. A lot of glass balls in the air.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of glass balls that I try to convince are rubber. I keep yelling (laughs) at them. Please be rubber. Yeah. Because I can't hold you right now.
1: Roughly how many, between the orchards and the distillery, roughly how many employees? I know it varies by season. For those listeners that don't understand the complexities of orcharding, Is that a word? You're going to get, you are going to get some education today. It is, it is very complex to manage and run uh, farming. Farming is a, it's a whole thing. I am learning so much about it. So I would say right now in this season, roughly between the two endeavors, how many people are you essentially responsible for? Roughly a (laughs) hundred. No big deal. And then... It's fine. And then with farming, you also not only are are responsible for, you know, providing a great work environment for people that are unfamiliar with the H2A system and bringing workers in uh, Mm. to help with harvest. They are also some of them living on the property, correct?
2: Yes. So when you bring in your migrant workers, we bring we brought in about 65, a little over uh, workers from Mexico. Mm -hmm. You have to provide them housing. So we have housing on the property. And then we also provide housing to our full time management staff, orchard management staff.
1: Nice, nice. And when I was out there uh, and, and was there for the grand opening, I was like, I didn't expect them not to have great living conditions, but I was like, wow, these are, these are nicer places than I grew up. I grew up in a trailer court. These are nicer places than I had when I was a kid. So I was just pleasantly not surprised because I don't sound like I didn't expect to take good care, but not being in the day in the day out. I was like, wow, this is, they're doing a great job. Like you really care about
2: all the people that are out there. We do. Yeah. So Turnover in any industry is difficult. And so you can imagine that if when you send a workforce home away for two to three months and then have them, you want them to come back. You've spent the time to train them, to to teach them how you run your operations. You want them to come back, right? So mm-hmm. you want to create an environment for them that they want to come back to. Yeah. So that's that's a huge part of it.
1: Yeah. And how many do you, what is your turnover rate season to season? Like how many come back?
2: Um, I would say about 98%.
1: Holy Christmas.
2: That's incredible. Yeah. So you are doing some things really well. Uh, I hope so. That's my goal.
1: (laughs) How long have you been in the seat you're in right now with, the orchards, um, and and I'm speaking to both orchard and distillery because they are so intertwined, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, you're a generational farmer, right? But you weren't always involved at this level. So can no. you tell us a little bit about your journey?
2: Um, I have not held the same role for more than a year since I started. Okay, I don't know. Okay, if that is changing to my lots of hats or, or not, but <laughs> my role has been in a constant state of transition and flux ever since I, I joined. So in 2013, we were considered a very, very small orchard at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were operating 70 acres, it was all Granny Smith. We had been operating that for 30 years and essentially it, was, it reached its age cap. We had to rip the trees out and replant. Mm-hmm. When you replant, it's five years until you're at full production. So you have expenses of five years and and really no revenue. So it was like, we were in a position of like, okay, we either need to sell it and mm-hmm. just get the land value and move on, or we need to start growing so that we can acquire an orchard that can operate that or provide that operational capital to, to keep moving forward. So that's what we did. We started growing and we started taking on new investments, bringing in new investors, and that's when I came on. So I started in 2013. I had like teeny tiny babies. So I had a one year old, I think under one and a two year old. And my husband was in grad school. And no, he was not in grad school anymore. Uh, but he was working in public mental health. So we were like in the poverty level. I right? Say you were so rich right then. So I just, like, I needed a job that I could do from home with, with my baby small. And I just started helping wherever I could. So I was helping with just coordinating new investments coming in. And then a couple of years later, we had an opportunity to buy another orchard. And so it started growing more. And, you know, my dad was 65 at the time. And he was like, okay, if we're going to start growing, we have to start thinking about, you know, the next generation and mm-hmm. and succession. And so... We started talking about that. That was a lot of dinner time conversations, and I, you know, my, talking with my husband, I was like, you know, this is this is a real asset. This is land. This is yeah. a this is a limited resource on this planet. I think that we really need to consider being a part of this, you know, for for the sake of our children, really. So I, you know, after a lot of thought and consideration, because I I didn't take lightly that you know, committing to a family business is a lot like a marriage. It's messy. It's complicated. You have a lot of relational things that you've got to navigate through. And so, you know, it wasn't a a lighthearted decision. And I knew that if I was going to make the decision to be in it long term, it was going to be forever. Mm. So I went to my dad and I was like, great, I'm in. I don't know what you want me to do. Because mm-hmm. I at that point, I had only worked in nonprofit work. I hadn't really had a lot of experience in kind of the business aspect of things. And he said, great, go get an MBA. <laughs> I was like, great, my kids are tiny. This will be interesting. And so I just had this mindset of like, okay, I don't know if I can do this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to just keep doing it until I can't. Oh, I, yes. That, that, has that served you well? It has. Yeah. Like just like one foot in, st- in front of the other. So like the next day I started studying for the GMATs. I knew what school I wanted to go to. It was um, Seattle University or die. <laughs> <laughs> and I got my undergrad at Seattle University and I knew that I just needed the familiarity. Yeah. Or else I was just going to struggle. So yeah. I knew kind of where where those t- that test needed to come in. I got the score that I needed from the GMAT. I applied for, at, to Seattle University. I got in. And then I just, I started taking prereqs and then learned I have an aptitude for accounting.
1: Yeah. I understand
2: it. I can do this. So I was like one of the only people that got a high grade in the, in the, the account, math part. Uh, prereq accounting. <laughs> uh, I think half the, half the class got like a D or lower. I'd have been in that part. Yeah. No, um. So that was like the first real step of like, okay, I can do this. Yeah, it's real. And the more that I, um, excelled in my graduate degree, the more confidence I got. So you know, fast forward, I I did write the business plan for Cash Butte Distillery while I was in grad school for the for the business plan competition that Mm -hmm. CLA offers. And I was a finalist, so toot my horn there. Um, so that was like that was a degree in and itself. Yeah. Like that one little thing that I did was like a whole degree. So I learned so much from that process. And in that, I gained a huge passion for what we were doing with the distillery. And mm. I really owned the story and and I took a lot of ownership of of that whole section of the business. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I wrote the business plan in 2019. We haven't, we didn't launch until 2023. (laughs) There's a lot of things that happened in the whole pandemic in between, but whatever. (laughs) Um, But getting a business off the ground is really difficult. Uh and um, (laughs) So, you know, I learned a lot of lessons there and I just have, so much pride in, yeah. in what we've accomplished as a team. My Cash Butte Distillery team is very small, and it's all of my family. <laughs> Not all of my family, but my oh, whole wow. team is a member of my family. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so that is its uh, own dynamics. Yes. Yeah. So um, it consists of my dad, my brother, and my husband. Okay. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that that's a lot of personalities to manage when you actually have multiple levels of a pre-existing relationship as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So in all of your, your learning, you're gaining confidence, you're like, okay, I, I keep getting the, you know, I'm, I'm getting more and more evidence stacked that I can do this. Mm-hmm. I know you probably had your days when you were like, but can I? <laughs> 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 Days, well, weeks, months. hmm mm-hmm. And you've persevered. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit to what are, are some instances or some challenges where you had to lean into that evidence and to, to tell yourself, I can do this, but you really had to fight for it. Can, does anything come yeah. to mind?
2: There are so many occasions where it's like, I can do this. I just don't want to right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. it, it came down to it really came down to two things. It came down to faithfulness, because mm-hmm. this is something that I feel called to do. Mm-hmm. And it come came down to um, showing up for my people in a way that they deserve me to show up.
1: Mm. OK, tell me more about that one.
2: So when you're in a family business, you have to fight harder to. I mean, it's terrible to say to gain respect, but in a lot of ways, it's true. Like, you know, there's always that overshadowing of nepotism. Yep. And so, yeah, there's there's days where, like, I don't want to do that thing, but I have to show my team that I'm going to persevere through the I don't want to Mm -hmm. because they deserve it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Has it been a challenge? So- absolutely with fam- i work with a lot of family run businesses it's really common in farming for generational mm-hmm. but there's it, it's not just farming like there's multiple mm-hmm. industries industries we we work with that definitely have that that familial aspect to them and one of the hardest things that many of our people come up against is really fighting to fighting against even the perception of nepotism Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, of course, they get to do that. They're the owner's kid, or they're the whatever. Or, mm-hmm. and I know you're a mindful person, and you you've thought through, like, how do I, how do what? I guess my question is, what are this, what are the things that you have done when you know you've come up against ne- the the perception of nepotism? How have you navigated that?
2: Um, I really take on the mindset of more servant leadership.
1: Mm. Okay, tell me more about that.
2: So it's a mindset of like, no, I'm here to support you. hmm You have a job to do. I've asked you to do a job. You've been hired to do a job, but it's my job to make sure that you can do your job well. So what do you need? And and whenever I show up like that, that everything kind of just shifts.
1: I love that. Did you just magically know how to do all of this and how to. No. <laughs> so you, I'm guessing, have taken some hard knocks and probably made some mistakes getting to to realize, oh, I, I had to experiment to figure out what works, what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. The question we ask all of our guests, what mistake that you're willing to share, what mistake, what is a mistake that you have made or maybe a misstep along the way In your leadership, that you look back on and you're like, yeah, definitely would have done that differently.
2: I'm a hypocrite. Ooh,
1: tell us more about that one. So
2: I I love it when people over communicate to me. Like, tell me all the things. Tell me all the things five times. Tell me where you are and all the things. Like, over communicate with me on everything. Like, it could be like a job on my house or it could be my employee. Like, be an over communicator. I really appreciate that. Yep. I am not an overcommunicator <laughs> and I'm really bad at it.
1: <laughs> so, you're direct. So, when you get, can you think of a specific example of like where something went off the rails because you did not I adequately? Did think of
2: 5,000 things. I mean, it's like, you know, every day <laughs> where it's like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to send out that email. Oh, yeah, I was supposed to give you this piece of information. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm still working. Really hard to dial in my own like structure and workflow and how i how I like organize things mhm i'm ter i'm like confession um, <laughs> I'm very organized in my mind, my spatial organization is a train wreck, yeah, I can relate to that, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, like, I've hired people to come in and help me make sense of the organization in my office and, like, create systems. So I've had to, like, really say, okay, I, I'm not strong in this area. I've never been strong in this area. I need mm-hmm. to hire someone who is strong in this area, even if it's for a day, mm-hmm. so that I can flow better and and serve other people better. I love that. So you recognizing
1: I'm not a great communicator. I need systems in place to help me be a better communicator for just sheer organization. Mm -hmm. And so instead of defaulting to, I'm the boss, I shouldn't have to repeat myself. I said it once, maybe. (laughs) You never (laughs) have that mindset. Yeah, you do not have that mindset. You take on the extreme ownership of like, I'm actually going to invest funds, real money, into building scaffolding around the areas that I know I need to get better in. Mm -hmm. So that I can be more of service to the people that are in this group that are on my team. Yeah. That's beautiful. Did it take you a long time to figure that out?
2: Oh, I'm still figuring it out.
1: (laughs) That's gonna be a lifelong discipline. Yeah. So what would you say if you were coaching younger you and you were like, okay, younger Julia, I'm gonna save you a little pain Mm -hmm. in your future. What would you tell her to focus on first in the art of developing her leadership?
2: Uh, I would tell her to create an organized structure of workflow before you even start the work.
1: Speak more to that piece. What does an organized structure of workflow even mean to you? Well,
2: it means like, so you're going to get 20 emails in a day. Where are those emails going to live so you don't have to hunt for them two weeks from now? Like, there's going to be one email that comes in that needs, you know, attention that you're not ready to give attention to for another three days. And now it's buried and you forgot about it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so it's, it's those kinds of things where I wasn't prepared enough to create that foundation. Mm-hmm. And you would say,
1: do it before you need it.
2: Do it before start, you
1: need it. Yep. Start thinking about it before you yep. need it. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit because, so Julie and I have kids that are basically exactly the same age. She <laughs> has two girls. I have two boys. <laughs> so, yep. um, and our our career trajectories are are kind of similar as well. So in, in some ways, I don't have a farm. Um, so <laughs>
2: the no, you distillery. have other things. You have a, I have a other farm
1: of people. Yeah, I do. I do. So taking all this on, building this, I don't want to talk about like traditionally we would ask, a, a woman would be asked like, how do you, how do you manage the mom guilt? Right? I'm not going to ask that question, but I'm going to throw it out. It. <laughs> well, I sort of
2: spoke to it. you calling attention but to
1: it. I was calling attention to it. I guess i I've, I've like really wanting people to like notice we don't have to talk about that part. This is what I want to ask about. What are you so proud of yourself that you're modeling for your kids in this process?
2: You know, I'm really proud of my, my MBA degree and what I did to accomplish that. Yeah. Because I was a huge learning, like every wall got broken down, everything. But I sacrificed a lot of time with my children to accomplish mm-hmm. that. Almost to the point where I don't really remember those years, which is really hard. Like thinking back, like, oh, there is this age group where I just can't really even see their faces. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, I am able to give them something now that I couldn't before. And it's not even that I can model, hey, I'm, I'm a business owner, and I can do all these things. It's that I didn't know that I could do it before I did it. Mm -hmm. And I did it when I was 35 years old. Yeah. And, you know, my 13 year old, she's, she's kind of struggling with like, what's my thing? Like, Mm -hmm. what do I what do I do? I'm like, everybody else has a talent and is in sports and they've been doing it for years. And, and I'm trying, like, I just really want her to know that it doesn't matter what age you are. You just need to start. Yes. Uh oh, I feel like I'm a church, Julia.
1: So <laughs> that's, I, I absolutely love that. Just start and it's never too late Mm-mm. and you can change your mind. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so valuable to have that inspiration and to see, like, like that's my mom. That's
2: I don't think they think
1: that. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. My kids don't think that yet either. But yeah. I, someday. Yeah.
2: <laughs> someday. But the other side of that is that that's not the point. Yeah. I don't want them to like go outside of how they see me to see me any way different. Right now mm-hmm. I'm just mom and mm-hmm. I show up in the way they need me to show up and give them the kind of attention that they need in that time. I don't need their validation. That's mm-hmm. not the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I do this because I've made a commitment to do it. I I really like it. Yeah. And, and it gives me a lot of purpose to, to be faithful in that. Yeah. And if anything, I want them to see me as an example of just discipline. Yeah. Discipline of showing up.
1: Doing it when you don't feel like it. Yep. Yeah. This has just been a great conversation. I love your insight. Thank you for being so honest and sharing your perspective too, and bringing it back to like, no, that's not what it's about. This is the point. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. And I also want to know, what words of wisdom do you have for other generational farmers that may be listening to this that are, and not just in farming, distillery also, I know like, again, they're intertwined, they're connected intimately, people working with family. What do you have? What do you want them to say? And especially if they're women. In this industry. Mm -hmm.
2: What message do you want them to
1: take home today?
2: Swim upstream boldly.
1: I love that. Swim upstream boldly. Okay. All right, listeners. You heard it. You heard it from Julia. Julia, if people want to find you, how can they connect with you? How can they how can they go get some of your delicious beverages out at Cash Butte Distillery? Tell us all the information.
2: You can find us um, on our website, royalblufforchards.com or cashbuttedistillery.com. Um Our vodka and brandy is uh, available for sale in Washington only. Our license only allows for us to ship within Washington State. Um, if you're around the Royal city area, you can come in person and we'll let you taste our product and you can take it home. Yeah.
1: All right. We will provide all of these links for people in our show notes. Are you distributing yet? Like, do you have a, are you in some stores?
2: We're in some stores. So we're like self-distributing, um, and it's going very slowly, um, we have been working on a contract with Total Wine for a couple of months now, and I think okay. we're in the final stages. So we're hoping to have our vodka in the Tukwila, Olympia, and Linwood stores if you're on the west side. Yeah. Um, and it's as, uh, as soon as we know that that's available, we'll put an announcement on our website. So just keep checking there. And, okay. and also on social media. You can follow us on social media on Instagram. My husband does that. He does a fantastic job. And so we're we're really local. So we're in stores around Royal City, around Ellensburg. Um, we're branching out into Wenatchee. Um, but we're kind of like... Doing a little nucleus out, so we're in self-distribution mode. I'm I'm hesitant to bring on large distributors at this point, and um, we're just trying to grow organically. So um, le- would love it for you to go on our website and purchase our product and support us that way. Thank you. Thank you. All right, all right, friends, get out there, support this
1: amazing distillery, this family run orchard, this woman doing amazing things in the world. Thank you so much for your time today, Julia. Thanks, and Lisa. to all of our listeners, go manage like a leader.
0: Thanks for being part of this community of revolutionary leaders who believe honest communication, healthy conflict, and building cultures of acceptance, respect, and trust are not only possible but non-negotiable for cultivating world-class teams. If one-to-one coaching, engaging workshops, or strategic planning that is actually useful are anything that interests you, make sure to head over to www.transcendleadershipcollective.com to check out our free resources. Confessions of a Terrible Leader is hosted by Lacey Nelson and produced by Mary Scott. Music is by Leif Olson and Mary Scott from the band The Number of Months. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And until next time, go manage like a leader.